Welcome back to Comeback for episode 300. We've made it to the 300 and who better to join me than Mr. Nick Cabreos, currently in Virginia, as we've discussed before, he was always going to go there. Let's see what life is like there. Nick, welcome. How are you? Yeah, what's up, Connor? Yeah, how is then, I guess, how, how's the weather? Let's start with that. How's the weather adapting from sunny Saigon to Virginia? <sighs> Man, it's cold. I guess in Celsius, it's like between zero degrees, but sometimes maybe you can get up as high as seven or 10 degrees Celsius. How did it, how did it work with your wardrobe? Did you have to go to your parents' wardrobe and, sorry, do the wardrobe in your parents' house and like get all your winter clothes, etc.? So I had some winter clothes with me already. So I, cause I thought that like after going to Vietnam that I would go to Germany. Like I, I had that thought in mind when I first came to Vietnam or went to Vietnam. So I had some jackets and winter clothes with me. And then when I got to my house in Virginia, I had some more. So yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I kind of know the feeling to a degree. I'm planning on spending some time in Hanoi and Delat in the weeks coming up. So I'm going to go mm. to Vietnam from a slightly chilly perspective, which I'm fascinated by because I love it when I go in this country and it's not roasting. It's something sweet about it. Yeah, that's true. And it's cool to wear all your favorite hoodies and jackets and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, re I really missed it. And also in Virginia, where you are now, you are in nature. Is Virginia good for its nature? I would say, yeah. Like I'm, I'm in the suburbs and there's a lot of uh, forests and creeks and lakes and things like that, that in the past I took for granted and I just thought it was boring. But now I'm, I'm appreciating it a little more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I guess let's start with the big one then. You've been in Virginia now how long? Uh, you left here on the 7th, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I think that's two weeks today. Wow. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It's a Tuesday. It yeah, Tuesday. time flies. I still remember like the farewell farewell dinners we had. We had like, <laughs> I was joking with my roommates about your, your farewell was like a farewell tour, where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going, I'm going to have a party because Nick's leaving. Let's have another party because Nick's leaving. <laughs> we had like four <laughs> events, <laughs> but it was awesome every single yeah. one. Yeah, but I guess the two weeks you've been away... How, how, how have they been for you? How would you sum them up? Um, so I feel like every day, like the, the Northern Virginia mindset is trying to convince me to go back to that mindset, which is different from the mindset I was having in Saigon, especially at the end of my stay in Saigon. It's totally different. And how would you define the Virginia mindset? Um, well, I feel a lot of people that I've been talking to here, like, when I talk to them, I get this feeling that they feel stuck here and uh, that uh, they should just try to make some money and try to survive and uh, make, make enough money to buy some pleasurable things to make their days tolerable. And that's it. Do you recognize anyone who's done similar to yourself in the last two or three years? I moved to another country or even another part of America. Is there anyone you've met that you can connect to in that regard? Not in, not with the people that I've interacted with so far. Like I, I know there are some people like that around here, but I just haven't, I just haven't found them yet. Because even my close friends haven't uh, experienced something similar to that yet. They've, they've stayed here this whole time, uh, yeah. for different reasons and doing their things. But, uh, um, yeah, it's. I haven't found someone else yet who has experience living abroad that I can talk to about that. Right, cool. And we are going to move on to then your chats with your family and your friends in these two weeks. Hmm. But I guess firstly, if I may ask you then, 
when you you know first arrive back in Virginia, so you know you first get off the plane, you first get I don't know a car or a taxi yeah. back to the hometown. What was that like? Are you thinking, you know, what's going through your mind when you get back to your hometown? <laughs> well, when my plane landed and I saw on, on the map it said Dulles, Virginia, I was like, God damn it, here we go. <laughs> like now it's for real. Now I have to step out of this airplane and I'm actually in Virginia now. But um, yeah, so I I did that. I went through customs, picked up my luggage, finally saw my dad, my grandpa, and my grandma. So that was cool. I hadn't seen them for three years. And uh, in that three-year span, my dad had a stroke, and he was pretty hurt. He had a 50% chance of living or dying, but he made it out okay, and he's 99% recovered. But it's funny how all of that happened while I was gone. So when I see him, when I saw him, coming out of the airplane it was like nothing had happened like there was no stroke nothing he looked just normal to me <laughs> it's crazy yeah no I can imagine and your grandparents how have they uh, how, do, how, how do they look different from the three years that you've seen them last they look exactly the same <laughs> they look exactly the same yeah and I feel like time hasn't passed for them like yeah. I'm talking to them and I and I see them and like it's like the same I'm talking to the same people yeah, there's like no conversation gaps where you'll be like, oh, you missed out on this bit. Is it? It's literally like you've never been away. Would you describe it like that? Yeah, we kind of just went back to like like business as usual, I guess. Like I feel like with, with my grandparents, I still haven't sat down to have a deep conversation yet. It's been mostly like, hey, come over, eat some food, watch some TV, time to go, okay, bye. Like it's been like that with a lot of people actually. So yeah. I, I haven't been able to sit down and have a deep conversation with, too many people right i see and is there anyone that you have been able to have a deep conversation with with my mom i have because I, I live with her right now and actually also with my friend john uh my friend john he's half korean half white i guess american and uh i've known him for i think he said 10 years now so we just met up yesterday and like we spent the whole day just chilling talking about psychedelics uh weed enlightenment exercise david goggins just everything man it was awesome <laughs> do you feel like someone somewhat connected to saigon because obviously in saigon you've got so many people to have these conversations with did it feel like a bit of that a bit like you've taken it with you yeah it felt like that yeah um also funny enough like in saigon because i because i wasn't a vietnamese speaker i couldn't hear how everyone else spoke around me right unless i wasn't an expat uh, place uh, and all of my friends in Saigon we have this like mindset that we push each other to get better and to progress or whatever accomplish goals when I get to a Virginia and I can hear everybody around me talking and my friends talking it's like they don't share that mindset and I'm having a hard time finding someone who shares that luckily I think John is is picking up on it so I think me and John can work together and pump each other up Right, I see. And are there any other friends somewhat related to John who you could have Goggins-style conversations with, or is that a work in progress just now? It's a work in progress. I have our friend JP. I hope also I can talk with him and, and get him pumped up, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, because like, I really, like, I can't force someone to uh, change their mindset. It's up to them, really. Yeah, absolutely. And like I've had I've had people like give me this whole spiel about how they plan to open a business and they plan to do this and that. And then at the end of their hour long spiel, I'm like, okay, so 
do you want to actually do this? Because we can make it happen. And then they, they're like, oh, I don't know, man. I'm not so serious about it. It's like, oh, fuck, okay. You know? Yeah. I feel like the hour was almost wasted because it, anyone can have that conversation where you talk about the idea, but you actually have to have a plan to execute it. And you feel like that's the bit that's missing. Yeah. When you start asking them, like, so what's the next step in your progress to your goal? And they have no answer. Then it's like, oh, okay. I, yeah. I see now. Yeah. You almost feel a bit um what's the word a bit you feel like your time's been wasted when you've I've, I've often felt this where i've sat there listening to someone say that spend the whole hour listening intently and then you know say right what's next and oh it was just me talking it's like what was the point of me listening was that was that just talking for the sake of it like is there not a next step here it can be frustrating like from my end like i was i didn't feel too bad about my time being wasted but i felt bad about that person wasting their time when they could actually be doing something like that kind of bothered me a little bit. Like you took the time to give me that whole spiel, but you don't take the time to actually work on your project. Yeah. I mean, even just the smallest detail where it be, I don't know, start, you know, let's just use the example, right? Of starting a podcast, just be like, okay, so what would you call it? Like just get something down on a piece of paper. So you've started, you know, the very, very first bit. So then, you know, you can then take action towards the next step and break it down into minuscule chunks that you can work towards because i've been guilty of this many many times nick where i've wanted to start a plan and i've given that spiel to someone until it actually gets time to operate and then i'm i'm left i'm left stumped and i think well, i didn't really want to do that i just wanted to talk <laughs> true that happens sometimes yeah sometimes like the idea of something sometimes can be better than better than the reality where you'll go for example i think i've said this on a pod before that we did where it'd be like oh it'd be cool to own a bar but that's literally it. When you, if you actually got me to, you know, talk about the steps behind doing a bar, like hiring the staff and working out what side mm. of environment it is and how to interact with customers. And that's when I think, yeah, it was just good as an, an idea, a fancy. And maybe that's why we love dreaming because, you know, it's just a dream. You never actually want it to happen. That's why we like fairy tales and movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it almost, you know, I've been like this. With, this is why I kind of, I'm, I'm falling out of the dreamlike approach, which is good that I previously like, you know, dreamt of stuff and really, really wanted, for example, to live in a, con- a really hot country <laughs> where I have a really good standard of living and I have my own podcast and I can chat to people about all sorts. It feels very ordinary now. But that was this, at one point, I, okay. I'm, li- I'm living my dream of two years ago and now it doesn't feel like a dream. It feels just like something I do. So you, you can <laughs> you can lose that dream state. Maybe that's why the dream state feels so good because of, you know, the euphoria of what could happen. Then when it does happen, <laughs> right. it can be, you know, slightly anticlimactic. When I say this, I do love what I'm doing. Like I love it in every single sense, but you know, I'm not in that dream dreamer world because well, you can't be. Like once you get out of the dreamer state, you have to become a doer, not a dreamer. And that is a very difficult, it can be a difficult change if you know what I mean. True. Hopefully it should be a fun thing, right? Like I set these challenges and I accomplish them just for fun. Like it's just what I do, right? Like, and, and you know, and that is a good thing to practice with exercise. Like I plan to hit these many sets, these many reps, and every day just knock them down. So every day you're accomplishing something. Yeah. But like as we, I think the reason we resonate with Gorkins is because there is some struggle attached in that. It's not as easy as <laughs> you can easily say, oh, yeah, I'll do this certain amount of reps a day, 40 a day, then 50, then 60. But once it gets to that 40 a day and you don't want to even do 10, then you have to really, you know, go into those extra gears and find that extra strength that you didn't think was possible and that's where it gets tricky and that's maybe where the dream uh, that's what's lacking in the dream because you don't get that in the dream you just get you know the glory at the end but you don't get the sweat mm-hmm. in between which can be brutal right 
Yeah, that's true, man. Yeah, Goggins will, um, you know, like if you feel tired, if you think you hit your limit, he'll say that's just forty percent, man. You have you have a lot more to give. <laughs> Keep pushing. Yeah, for sure. Which I must admit, I still think about it sometimes, and I don't think I've, I don't think I've got to that point where I can hit the forty percent. Now I'm like, oh yeah, that's me done. <laughs> like I need to, you know, keep, keep looking at Goggins and not necessarily just Goggins. I mean, because Goggins is Goggins and he's a different person to me, albeit in my mind, a great one. So you just have to, you know, just, yeah, maybe do, maybe I, I don't know, first do that 41% rather than starting there. You, do, you know, do you know what I'm, I'm trying to say? Excuse me. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Oh, like, like gradually get yourself to the 40%. Not, yes. Not yeah, rush it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I mean to say. Yeah. Cause I feel like, and uh, I feel like you can easily like look at the end goal of someone that you really admire, like Goggins, and think, "Oh yeah, I want to do that straight away." But you do have to work your way there. Like he didn't. Oh start, yeah. Though. Like I'm sure there are so many points in his early career where he gave up at you know he gave up at thirty percent or so, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. So, but I'm sure I'm sure there was that. We we only see the version now who's just like a complete badass. But before that, there was probably a lot of hurdles that you know they, they don't That's get shown, they don't get shown in the book or the film because. You, know, you can only make a book on a film a certain amount of time that you don't have time to include every failed training session or every, well, not failed, every training session that didn't go to a certain point, shall we say. So, you know, maybe you have to, yeah, take with a pinch of salt to a degree. But, uh, I mean, speaking of failure, like even Goggins says he has failed a lot, but he changes the, the definition of failure. So it's not a, a negative thing, right? He'll just say failing is just getting more information to succeed later on. Yeah. So he just keeps going. It's like a quote I saw. I don't know who this is by. That the expert is the person who made the most mistakes. Right. Who tried everything. It didn't, work, it didn't work enough time, so he had every tool available. And I like to think for myself. I think, oh, I fucked up so many times, and that means I'm closer to being an expert. Like, imagine if you reframed, <laughs> if you reframed it in that way. Instead of, oh, look at me, I fucked up again. It's like I fucked up again. I'm this much closer to becoming an expert. Come on, like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's maybe so there is even no no limit on how expert you can be. So it's like, just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Don't look back. Don't look back. Just keep going. <laughs> You're the never-ending expert. Or maybe yeah. maybe just look maybe just look back to see like to give yourself credit. Like look how far I came, dude. Like yeah. there was real progress made, and then keep going. Yeah, even the there's, um, Karen. There's no finish line. Just keep going. Yeah, I used to always, always think the Michael Jordan quote was stupid. You know, the one I fail time and time and time and time again, and that's why I succeed. I thought that was just nonsense. That was just, I don't know, something that would look good on an assembly wall. It wasn't actually real. And then as I got older, I thought, ah, okay, this this is what it means. Ah, right, okay, this is what it means. Yeah, because there's always those stories of he got dropped by the basketball team when he was in high school and the Beatles would never amount to anything. Walt Disney lacked imagination and there's so many different quotes. And then I kind of thought, oh yeah, well, that's just that certain person. Then I looked back and thought, oh, okay, there's a pattern emerging here. These people failed the most and that's why we revered them the most. Because eventually they, you know, they found a formula because they tried everything else. And the funny thing is we've all done this. We've all been babies learning how to walk and we've fallen down and just gotten back up and kept trying to walk. And now we're walking. Like We've all done this. Yeah, there's something quite sweet about it as well because it's accessible to anyone where they might like yeah, literally everybody everybody has this reserve in them where they can get up and keep walking even when they've fallen down at the third crawl, etc. Literally everybody's done it. Yeah, we've had to all do that. And the funny thing is like trying to think like a baby, like if I'm a baby, I'm trying to walk and I fall down, the baby's not 
thinking like man i'm such a shitty baby i can't fucking even walk right like the baby is just like i want to get over there so i'm gonna try again <laughs> the beer the, the beer <laughs> the baby has no fear of failure yeah i meant to say the baby or the fear and then i mix them up right. with beer <laughs> what what a phrase yeah. <laughs> yeah, the baby has no capacity of being embarrassed right like he's yeah. still not capable of doing that good for yeah. him it doesn't so, even like, register in his mind so the baby could be trying to walk across the room and fall down shit himself and vomit and he doesn't care like <laughs> he'll yeah. just get up again and try to walk <laughs> and he's Absolutely. not even trying to be like a badass or be brave it's just he's just do he knows what he wants to do and he's doing it yeah, I remember this is kind of reminding me of a quote once where I think it was Madonna. She was at the Brit Awards and she fell over and she was getting loads of praise for getting back up straight away. Everyone's like, she got back up straight away. How impressive. And then I saw a lot of, you know, opposing views saying, well, what else is she supposed to do? She's fallen over during a performance. She got up and did it again. Like, why Why, why is that giving her praise? Uh, true. Yeah. Roy, Roy <laughs> Keane's the footballer who does the same example where um, he, yeah, he got booked. So he was going to miss the final. If he didn't, yeah, because he, he was suspended for the final because he got a second yellow card. And he then played amazing for the rest of the match and won every ball and the team ended up winning. And then everyone was like, oh, what what a brilliant guy. You know, even though he was going to miss the final, he's like, well, that's my job. I get paid to, you know, play football to the best of my ability. Why are you praising me? Just because I got a yellow card and would miss the final. It's irrelevant. That's my job. Mm-hmm. And so now he's famous for saying, you know, that's his job. Like, he should be doing that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. Stuff. And I guess then on the subject of deep conversations, et cetera, um, mm. you, what are some deep conversations and with who you can share what you wish here that you're looking forward to having in Virginia? Mm. So I guess thinking about yesterday, my, I'm chilling with my friend, John. Oh, shout out to John, Johnny Cage. Um, <laughs> yeah, we just talked about like, uh, you know, that we make our own reality. Like what we believe is real becomes real for us and feels real for us like one one example is like if i walk into a room and i believe everybody is judging me i will actually feel like everybody's judging me it will feel real to me even if it's not actually happening it's like one example i guess um yeah we talked about stuff like that talked about uh, some psychedelics the big bang (laughs) law of attraction uh the nature of the universe taoism things like that yeah things like that yeah for sure and is there anything about the law of attraction that you kind of unanimously agreed on or was it stuff that we've previously spoken about how did that conversation transpire um that's a good question how did it come up i think we're just talking about achieving goals and uh taking control of your life like John, he wants to move out of his family's house and get his own apartment, right? So I think we talked about how can we use law of attraction to make this happen? So it's like, first uh, decide how much money you need to move out, right? Visualize that, get the exact number and then, and get the job and hit and get that number. Like just take it step by step, visualize the next, the next objective and hit it and go to the next one until your final objective is done which yeah. for him would be get his own apartment. No, I like that. That's like, yeah, a clear pathway rather than, that's basically the the antidote to what we said at the start, where it was you just talk and talk about what you want without actually having a plan on how to get there. Whilst with that method you described with law of attraction, you're taking small actionable steps every step along the way to ultimately get to that end goal. 
Exactly. Exactly. And if you make a mistake along the way, that's just more information on how to get to your final objective. It's another learning experience. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Going back to again what we said, another learning experience. And also within creating your own reality, I completely agree with this, where if you have that subconscious belief, for example, everyone is judging you, you will always look for a reason to have that belief affirmed. So you'll go, oh, well, that person said this certain thing about me, or they have that look in their eye, which suggests this. And see, I knew it. I knew it. I told you so. Yeah. Like, yeah, that person who will always say, oh, I knew it would go wrong. Or, oh, I knew it would go wrong. And you look for every single way for it to go wrong. So eventually when you mm. affirm that belief and things do go wrong, you can go, go, yeah, look, I told you, always happens to me. <laughs> yeah. Some people do say that stuff. That's <laughs> true. No, it's common. I also, I remember reading Paul McKenna quite regularly when I was 21. And one of the things that hit me was that the luck filter where people who are lucky often believe they're lucky. And so they're always in the opportunity in the right place, the right time to capitalize on mm. the opportunity of luck. And it, I, you know, I used to think when people were just lucky, it was just luck. It came out of the blue, but if you're always in the right place in the right time and you genuinely believe you're lucky, then you're in a better position to spot opportunity and therefore quote unquote, get lucky. So it's not just completely, you know, random. The universe decides this. It's not a lottery. It's, you know, deliberate thought and intention it goes back to Napoleon Hill think and go rich intention, mm magnified by something else get that together and that's where the lucky filter comes in it's like thinking now about lucky or unlucky like if something quote-unquote unlucky happens to me now it just kind of feels like a random test from life or the universe or, or whatever you want to call it it's just, it's just a test that is happening but the, after this test i know i will learn something really useful so is it actually unlucky maybe it's lucky yeah, because then maybe in a year or so, when you're faced with perhaps a situation that, you know, would have been daunting otherwise, the lesson that you learn from that unlucky moment might come in huge, hugely in handy. And also, it can, be very, it can be very difficult to look back, you know, connect the dots in hindsight, where we'll often look at the unlucky things isolated and go, oh, yeah, well, this happened and it sucked. But the amount of the amount of even more unlucky things that that unlucky thing might have saved you from, you never know. So you might, you know, that might have been a huge blessing in disguise. That might have been the luckiest unlucky thing that ever happened to you. You just weren't able to realize if that makes right. sense. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's like yeah, often man. you can look back and say, oh, I would have been great if this thing didn't happen. But you always think, well, if this thing didn't happen, for example, this unlucky thing, if this thing didn't happen, then it would be perfect. Like, well, something even more unlucky could have happened. You just don't know. So you have to accept mm. that unlucky thing, <laughs> accept the lessons that you can live with it. And also, you know, be kind of grateful in a sense. Mm. I often think that with, you know, this, this whole COVID pandemic in 2019, so many times, you know, if you had to, for example, if you had to fly somewhere, uh, but you had to check in luggage, you'd say, oh, it's a pain, you know, like having to check in luggage, it takes an extra hour, etc. But now you have to check in luggage and you have to get a COVID test. And it has to be a certain amount of hours before your flight. And you might have to quarantine yeah. on your country of arrival. So, you know, if you, if you if you said that now, all you have to do before getting a flight is check in luggage. You'd be like, that's a, that's a breeze. But two years ago, that's an enormous thing. So that's why, you know, that, I know this might sound slightly negative, but something more unlucky could be around the corner. So be grateful for <laughs> the unlucky thing that you've just got, because that might be, you know, it, it, things could be worse, shall we say? Yeah, and, and things always just, like, like, sometimes shit just happens, right? We have no control over it. 
Yeah, well, we don't have any control of the thing that happens, but we have our control of the reaction. So something exactly. that could happen to exactly. you, we go, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, uh, I remember seeing, I think this is through thinking Grow Rich, but I don't want to say in case it's not specific, but a lot of people who've made, you know, huge fortunes when asked, what would you do if you lost it all tomorrow? They say, oh, I'd get it all over again. Just start over. And they say it very casually because mm-hmm. they know the tools to do that. And they know that you <laughs> right. find them. And they probably yeah, had huge yeah. financial setbacks in amassing that wealth. While someone who won the lottery, if they lost it, they'd be like, what? I've, I've lost it? Like, you know, it's the end of the world for them. Yeah. And they know their success was not a fluke. So they're not like uh, anxious about maybe losing it all. Just get it again. Yeah. They know every step that you have to take in order to get there. They've done it before. It's like the, the yeah. phrase, been there, done that. You've been there. You know the tools. You know the techniques. You know what yeah, to do, yeah. what to avoid. You know, but you've prob- prob- probably learned from the lesson why you've lost it, you know, just. Yeah, that's pick, huge. Yeah, pick it up, go again, learn from lessons. Yeah, that's why the comeback beats the setback was the slogan of this show, because I realized that so many times you are going to get a setback, but the comeback you can get as a result. I'll use a personal example here. Uh, the setbacks that happened to me when I was at uni in terms of my mental health, etc. If I didn't go through those, would I have had the tools to keep seeking the knowledge that I think I've gained over the last three years. And would I have started this platform? Probably not. Would mm-hmm. I have made the connections? Probably not. Would I have moved to Vietnam? Probably not. There is a, I never know. But when I look back, I think right, there was a reason why this happened. And I have to try and see the positive out of the suffering. Like as we've talked about before, you know, the rain, the flowers, the mud. Right. This is like when David Goggins is in the hospital and he's uh, finally hurt his body too much to keep exercising. <laughs> he has to stop and uh, (laughs) while he's laying down he's thinking back on his life and he says he suddenly he felt like because of where he is now like that like he's there now because of everything and everyone in his past that hurt him so suddenly he just felt so grateful for everyone that ever hurt him yeah now, I can think of similar examples. Uh, I think in one of Joe Dispenza's books where there was a wife who husband cheated on her and she had one of two options. Or I think they did a case study of her versus another lady. And one lady, you know, blamed her, blamed him and said, I'll never date men again, etc. All men are trash, etc. And the next 20 years, she lived out that self-fulfilling prophecy. Whilst the other one decided, okay, this one hurt me, but it's given me time to explore lots of different new hobbies and new sides of myself, which I wouldn't previously realize. So I think she got into painting, she got into outdoors activities, she became super fit. And then she met someone who aligned with all of those visions and values, really enjoyed spending time with him and ended up getting married again. And so you look back at both and the same thing happened to them. Their husband cheated, but one of them decided, right, I'll take this as the approach of, okay, maybe I can work on myself a lot more and then meet someone similar which she ended up doing and was much much happier with him than she ever was with the husband who cheated or one decided Mm. okay all men are dreadful so all i'm going to do is you know continue saying this over and over and over again until it becomes my life motto and you know who's happier yeah one of them chose the straight up victim mentality and uh yeah it's sad to see when that happens but it does happen sometimes yeah so that the quote from the story from insta is like when two Boys grow up with an alcoholic father and one of them decides to never drink again and has a successful marriage, business, etc. One becomes an alcoholic and is always going around being drunk and abusing people. And when asked, you know, mm. what, what did, why did you turn out the way you did? You go, I followed my father. So that is the influence you have. You know, you do have an alcoholic father, but how do you choose to do that? Do you look at it and go, I want to copy him? Or do you look and think, no, it's not for me? 
yeah right it's like do you want to say like oh i drink because my dad drank so like so that's why i drink that's like not taking any ownership or responsibility yeah and it's very easy you can just say oh yeah well this is what happened to me this is yeah. of, course, of course i'm going to be like that well it, it it doesn't work if it's not working for you then you have to change it and then you have to do the inner work and that's where the difficulties remain yeah that takes actual work and not everybody's down to work yeah i don't think a lot of points i wasn't to be honest with you that's why i'm kind of saying it now and why i'm getting more passionate about mm. it because it's very very easy and comfortable you can go oh well it's this fault. I've got a chemical imbalance, so I don't actually have to work on it. So I don't have to do the exercise and drink water and have deep conversations and go to therapy and trap my emotions. It's very easy for me to just say, oh, it's a chemical imbalance. Well, that might be the case. That might be the case. And that's not my fault, but it is my responsibility, how I deal with it. Like I have mm. to do something to help my depression. I have to, there's no point in me blaming anybody else or blaming the world or saying, oh, why is it my brain and nobody else's? Well, that's the, that's the hand I got dealt. I could have it a lot worse. That is true, man. We're all handed different different hands, man. Then it's what we do with them. <laughs> yeah, massively. And here's the one, because one reason why I left, and I'm, I'm, I was about to say I'm going to make an assumption, then I realized I can't, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> when you know the hometown mentality, where I feel like if I explain this stuff to a lot, and I don't mean all people say in my hometown there might be things of yeah well how can you say that there's this there's this there's this it's the government it's teacher it's parents it's this and i'll say and and it can be tricky because i don't want to necessarily judge someone for their situation because it's different to me and i had a lot of luck in my upbringing etc but i guess you're going through the position now how do you you know tell people in virginia this or like in your hometown that you know you can make a change and you do have to just do little things for yourself how do you go about telling people this um that's a good question um not everyone is open to these to these things too um like so far i've tried just telling people i trust like my mom like if she starts giving me like that victim mentality then i try to nudge her in a different direction like you know you can change this right you know you can take control over it some people are receptive to that but some people really just prefer to be victims and i still don't know how to get them out of that it's still something i'm practicing mm, i kind of realized to be honest with you this is my current view i have to lead by example so i have to yes show like this is why i started the comeback because i thought right okay i kind of i have a lot of tools in place where i kind of know things that people do to get out of their situation and to make their own comeback now i have to make my own so if i show that you can go through this stuff but you can also come back you can meet new people you can move abroad you can do things and i have a long long way to go with this by the way but if I'm to show this, then people will sit up and take notice because nobody wants to be preached to. Like nobody wants to hear someone who's so true. been away for a couple of years go, you know, you can do this. Or I've read this book that does this because you can never really resonate. Whilst if you actually see it and you actually see that person transform or at least improve and get levels up, you think, right, what are they doing? You know what I mean? That is so true. Yeah. Yeah. Like thinking about it too, like I, I would not want to be preached at to either. Like I would want to see, like if somebody's the real deal, then show me, right? So, yeah. yeah. So we should be doing that. I think, funny enough, that kind of happened last night when me and John were exercising. Like we just happened to start doing push-ups and squats and stuff, and I was doing it with him. So like, we did it together, and I was showing him it's possible. And also, we're doing David Goggins' routine, like doing, let's say, fourteen sets of squats, and uh, 
each set that you do, you add one more, right? So your first set, you do one squat. Second set, you do two squats. And third set, you do three squats. You do this up to number 14. And after 14, you've done 105 squats. So we were doing it with David Goggins technique. <laughs> and that's when you really like, no, 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 it's going well. And you've actually got the evidence then to back it up. So then if John or any other friends, you can say, well, no, just try it with me. And here's the thing. You have to be open-minded enough to try, but if you can try the smallest thing possible, for example, one small set, you'll do it and think, that wasn't so bad. Let's do another second set. That wasn't so bad. Yeah. Third, then a fourth, and then you build momentum. Then you think, oh, this, hang on, this is the real deal. And then you keep going in that regard. And then it becomes easier and easier to persuade. Yeah, like me and John, we just did 14 sets of each exercise. And we were like, we just did over 100 reps. Like, let's do another one. Like, <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah, massively. And yeah, we'll always believe evidence rather than people saying it. I'm always thinking that I used to shout about resources. So when I first got into Paul McKenna, I was like, guys, this Paul McKenna video, this Paul McKenna CD, this Paul McKenna book. It is the one. It is amazing. Just listen to this video and it will change things. It doesn't convince mm. people because you're just, it doesn't. you know, words, you know, and often, you know, I've, I've thought I've realized in conversation, great song by 1975 where he discusses it, that in conversation, you're not really listening, that you're kind of waiting for your turn to speak. So if someone says, oh, I know this great book, like how many times have someone said to you, oh, you need to watch this movie? And you've gone, yeah, I will do. But you, you know, you're not actually going to, because I'm guilty of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Very, very guilty of it. So you almost have to, yeah, do something slightly different. And going back to what we've spoken about in this episode before, you know, action. If you actually can give some tangible evidence or a little bit of action to show something, you'll think, well, maybe this is the real deal. Maybe I should get on board here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad John is open-minded to uh, try this stuff out with me because I think he's the first one, really, that's been uh, disinterested. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be fun for both of us. <laughs> I think one benefit that, you know, I don't want to sound too, I, I, I guess one benefit of being, having an open mind is that you can discover new things where when I look at if I could be open-minded or close-minded, if I'm close-minded, I'm not going to gain anything. Like maybe in certain social circles, I might look slightly cooler, but compared to having an open mind where you can discover so many new different techniques and tips and lessons, I know which one I choose, but it can be so difficult to, you know, convince the closed mind to try the open one just because of the way people are set in their ways. Yeah, especially if they've identified with that closed mind and and whatever it is they believe. If they've identified with that, then it's connected to their ego, right? So like yeah. then to to stop identifying with whatever that thing is is a form of ego death and it's uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. Even it can be a thing where have you ever been in a situation and you've talked about a concept and someone's asked you a question about it, but you know that they're only asking you a question to shoot you down? Uh, true, yeah, that can happen. I, I remember going back to high school and some of the dudes I'd hang around with, I remember just, I'd say something about this film I liked or this book I liked and they'd say, what's the plot? And that, if I gave like, a sentence, they're looking for any hole in it, anything whatsoever. This is a very trivial example. And I'm thinking... I can't be around you. You know, if you've got that closed off mindset where you'll try and discredit anything rather than try, I, d I don't know, like the kind of cyn cynicism regarding it, it, it never really sat with me. And I thought, right, okay, as I'm getting older, I need to get away from these kind of influences and this kind of energy because it's not going to help me going into my 20s. That's true, man. Yeah. That's true. Some people want to bring us down. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it sounds kind of what's the word, slightly cheesy when you're like, some people hate is gonna hate. Some people just want to watch the world burn and all that stuff. But then, you know, to a point, you know, just, <laughs> to a point. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? I think ah, this can't happen. But uh, you, you um, touched upon the concept of ego there. Can I ask you about how your ego is doing now you're back in Virginia two weeks on? All right. What's that like? I know that's a broad question. How is your ego doing? But do you want to tell me a bit more about that? Like when I first arrived here, my like I was thinking like, man, people in Virginia are so weird. They're so jumpy. They're so sensitive. But really, that was just my own ego trying to boost itself, saying like, oh, everyone here is so fucking weird. And, and I'm and I'm the cool one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was talking like that. So like after being aware of that, then I, I'm trying to be more aware of when that, that thought comes up and just be less judgmental. Yeah. What what happens? What kind of things do you catch your thoughts when you're in the mini that say if you do get that thought of, oh, people are so weird, etc. What what happens in your mind? Like how do you stop yourself going down that rabbit hole? That's a good question. Uh I mean now when like when the thought of thinking about how weird Virginia people are, like when that thought begins to generate in my mind, I just, I try my best to catch it before it, it comes out of my mouth or, or is spoken in my mind as a thought. Like you feel as it's generating, like it's generating. So try to catch it before it actually materializes. <laughs> just try your best, like, right? Like it will be difficult in the beginning, of course, but just the more you do it, the, the, the better you get at it. Yeah, massively. And I guess have you ever had well i say have you ever in the two weeks that you've been back has there been a moment or two which have really shot your ego down where you've thought oh hang on i'm getting a bit of a paste in here any any of those moments i think yeah like when you're boosting your ego so much and then suddenly you have like a moment where you fail at something that should have been simple according to your ego right then that hurts your ego and then it has this effect where like oh shit, am I a fraud? Am I not as cool or as badass as I thought I was? Like it leads to that negative rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. You can always, and it's quite easy because you can go down your own path of something and then go back to a another group of people and think, I know something they don't. Like they should kind of, <laughs> you know, want to know my knowledge, et cetera. But some people just aren't interested and they might have uh, a view of the world that you need to learn from. I can't really think of an example here, but I do think they exist. And then you have to, you know, take yourself down a peg or two and think, okay, maybe, maybe I ain't shit. <laughs> like one funny example of how my ego could have worked here, like in the, in, in, in the beginning of this trip is like, uh, maybe I'm driving or something. And then I, I'm thinking like, I'm, I lived in Saigon. I'm probably the best driver in this whole highway. And then I see one other dude is just driving amazingly. And then I'm like, wait how is he so good i'm the guy that came from saigon like am i not that good am I a failure <laughs> it goes down that rabbit hole <laughs> and it's tricky as well when you compare yourself to other people because that's what this whole like ego boost is doing it's relying yeah. on comparison so you're making yourself feel better internally by you know uh boosting yourself over somebody else and then you think oh, yep. hang on this might not be <laughs> might not be the most useful method yeah i have to really catch myself a week it's like a blind spot that i had that was bigger than i thought yeah and that's the problem because our ego loves you know ignoring the blind spots and then when the blind spots hit you think well oh, i thought i dealt with that maybe i haven't dealt with that as well as i thought i did <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> yeah, true it can be tough and i guess you know 
slightly away from the ego. Saigon's obviously huge, vibrant, crazy city. Virginia's a suburb. You know, how's the transition been from going from this huge place to a tiny place? What's that like? It's really quiet here. Like I can go in my backyard and I, it's quiet at almost any time of the day, which is nice, right? It should be nice. Um, I think if you live here for, and if you live here your whole life and you never leave, that silence becomes almost like, a, it almost feels like you're in lockdown. <laughs> you're in lockdown, but in <laughs> inside a community somewhere. Um, it's just so much silence that if you have a lot of noise in your mind, it could be, and if you don't deal with the noise in your mind, it, I think it, it could be something that can cause some damage. And I have a lot of friends and close family here that uh, is struggling with mental health right now. And so I'm just doing my best to see if I can help as much as I can. Yeah. And how, how do you think you can help? I mean, I know that's a tricky question, but have you found any methods that particularly work for you so far or is it a work in progress? What goes through? It's a, work, it's a work in progress, but at least the first thing you can do is just listen without judging because sometimes like um our friends or family like they could be younger than us and they don't know like maybe their parents don't know how to have these conversations with them and uh yeah and it could be hard for them to talk about it so i think the best thing one can do is just listen to what they have to say without judgment right i see and i guess how on a scale of one to ten one being that you hate being back, 10 being that it's the best thing you've done, leaving Saigon for Virginia. How so far would you rate being back on a scale of one to 10? How's your experience? Mm, that's a good question. Um, well, I'm not working yet, right? Not yet. That's a work in progress, but that should be happening pretty soon. Um, it's been fun seeing everybody and stuff and and uh, yeah, I don't know what number to put on it. Maybe just in the middle, maybe just a five. Not amazing and not and not terrible. Like I'm just kind of going with the flow, I guess, for now. Have you had a relationship with nostalgia since? Do you ever look at Vietnam and think, oh, wow, I can't believe I was there and it's no longer here? Or like, you know, what's your experience like in that mm. ring comparing Vietnam to your current situation? I did feel some of that. Um, on Sunday when I had a podcast interview with a local friend here in Centerville and I was telling them about UPP and they have a Jamie. So their Jamie opened up the laptop <laughs> and wow. searched UPP global. And when I saw the picture of, of the kids playing on the football field in D2, I was like, damn, I was just there like three weeks ago, man. Like, and I, I did miss Vietnam in that moment. Yeah, let's see. My, my mind slash ego hit there. I was like, "What? They've got a Jamie. I need a Jamie. How can I get a Jamie?" Yeah, it was cool. It was like, so it's um my friend Brian. He's Cambodian American. Uh, him and his cousin run the podcast, the the makeshift podcast, I believe. And uh, yeah, so his cousin has the laptop, and he's a Jamie. He's there. We have we have the three mics set up, the Jamie, the laptop, and yeah, we're just having a good conversation. <laughs> yeah, was that the First podcast you've been on that's not not this one. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. First yeah, man. Yeah, that's moving on. You've done podcasts in Saigon, now Virginia. I guess now just next place you go to, just pop on another pod. Try, to, try yeah. and compare them from all different parts of the world. 
<laughs> yeah, and actually, uh, Brian's podcast is really similar to yours. They talk about stuff like this, like self-development and stuff and uh, mindset. Yeah, so it was pretty interesting. Yeah, no, it sounds pretty cool, man. I'm going to check it out. But yeah, I guess, have you got any final thoughts about, you know, your life back in Virginia? Any plans for the upcoming weeks? Anything you'd like to share before we wrap up this landmark? One thing I do want to share is that, like, being here, like, Northern Virginia, this suburb, it feels like a huge comfort zone, right? And, like, uh, it feels so tempting to keep yourself as comfortable as possible. And it, and it shows, like, I'm seeing how much people are selling comfort. Like, wherever you go to eat, it's always fatty food. It's always some kind of, like, greasy, fatty comfort food. Um, I want to go on walks, right? But it's cold as it's really cold outside so my mind is like no nah, just stay inside stay comfortable man it's not so cold inside like there's so many things i feel tempting me to keep myself comfortable it's like oh like we just had a family party there's a bunch of pie left over yeah just eat some pie man you want pizza eat pizza like and it's like i can feel like it's gaining some momentum so i have to cut this i have to make myself take a, a walk outside in the freezing cold like i have to do this because the comfort zone thing is, I feel, is gaining some momentum. Right, I see. And how do you know that it's gaining momentum? Is it, is it just, are there any signs, any, anything you can explain? Because, like, I've, I've caught myself, like, choosing to stay comfortable uh, more times than I was doing in the past. It's like, whoa, I just chose to not go for a walk. That's weird. Or, or like, I'm in bed, like, hey, you should brush your teeth, like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm already in bed. I'll just do it later. Like, did I really just do that? Like, did I really just stay that comfortable? I didn't want to get up off my bed and go brush my teeth. <laughs> you know, that's hit me pretty hard, man. I've kind of, well, I've noticed the last couple of weeks, I've uh, stayed out an hour later than I usually would have, or I've gotten up an hour later than I would have, or I've chosen that certain dish over this, or I've skipped a couple of workouts because I focused on other areas. And I'm thinking, Oh, I can't be like this in 2022. Like I've outlined my goals and I think, yeah, this can't happen. So I guess it's just the thing about, you know, notice like a commitment, a commitment. Like yeah. if you want to get some things done, like commit some time in your day for some things and don't let yourself back out, back out of it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, Nick, thanks very much for this, man. I uh, appreciate it. And I'll see you back for maybe 350, maybe 400. We'll see how we go. But yeah, look forward to chatting again soon, man. Thanks very much. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. See you next time.